0: tell me something, I remember about 10% of it. In other words, the words are going in one of my ears and they're coming out the other if you simply speak to me. Add a picture though and my retention goes up to 65%. Now that is a part of the basis for Primo presentations. Our goal is to create, develop and deliver a knowledgeable focused, and customized presentation for every single person, every single time. Research done by the people at 3M concluded that pictures are processed 60,000 times faster than words. That's 60,000 times faster than just the word. That has a huge impact on your ability to deliver a presentation but a bigger impact up front when you're just trying to create it. So let's begin with two basic rules for our presentation. First, a presentation is an educational tool and should be created, designed, and delivered accordingly. What do you mean, educational tool? Well, what I submit to you is if I'm standing in front of a class of 100, it's no different than if I'm sitting at the kitchen table in front of a couple. I'm trying to transmit a lesson. Now, what's the lesson of my appointment with that couple? Hire me. And so what I'm trying to do from the beginning of my appointment to the end is deliver that lesson. Hire me, hire me hire me, hire me, over and over and over again. And even if you were to flip through the pages of your 56 page listing book, the horror that that might be, the lesson is hire me. Well, if I'm teaching a lesson, I think it'd be a good idea to understand how people learn. So let's take a look at the learning process. 83% of effective learning comes visually by sight, 11% from hearing, it's audio. That means that 94% of effective learning is sight and sound. It's audio visual. Around 1990, Dr. John Sweller developed what is known as the cognitive load theory. He said this, our working memory is limited with respect to the amount of information it can hold and the number of operations it can perform on that information. Now, take yourself back to a bad class that you ever attended, where every single slide that that instructor put on the screen had bullet point after bullet point after bullet point. In fact, in the olden days, the perfect PowerPoint slide was thought to have had seven lines, no more than seven lines, no more than seven words per line. Now, that's 49 words words on a screen if you put that many words in front of someone there is an undeniable temptation to want to read them and it's the same with your presentation if you have a presentation page or slide with a bunch of words on it people are going to want to read it's unavoidable but here's the problem if they're reading they're not listening So it's very important to know that there are two kinds of presentations, readable and presentable. A readable presentation for all practical purposes could be something like a pre-listing packet or a home buyer's packet. It is sent with the intent for it to be read. But at the kitchen table or at Starbucks, we want to present to be understood. So it's important to know the difference between readable and presentable and to be able to develop a system to deliver the right presentation in the right setting. Don't get me wrong, words aren't bad. In fact, words are a great thing. It's just that too many of them simply doesn't work. So what we want to do is we want to limit the number of words on our page, limit the number of words on our slide. We want to limit bullets. Because here's what we know. Bullets don't kill people. Presenters with bullets kill people. Researchers have known for well over a 100 years that pictures and text follow very different rules when it comes to learning and the human brain. And what we know is the old expression isn't wrong. One picture is worth a thousand words. Simply put, the more visual the input becomes, the more likely it is to be recognized and recalled. Some of the latest research even suggests that the brain processes words as individual pictures. So you can see the power of the visual. Rule number two, your presentation is about attention. We live in a world where everything is vying for our attention. Back in the 70s, it was thought that the average person was exposed to 300 maybe commercial messages in a day. 10 years ago that number was 3,000 and today it's estimated to be close to 30,000. There are so many people, so many things everywhere from Angry Birds to American Idol to who knows what, Justin Bieber even, vying for our attention. So we want slides or pages that actually get people's attention, keeps their interest and aids them in getting the lesson, retaining the message. So we need to ask ourselves, what gets people's attention? Five things have been proven. First, emotions get our attention. Anything that's emotional captures people almost instantly. Well, I can't think of too many things more emotional than the buying or selling of a house. Two, meaning and interest before details. And what this means is, people grasp the big picture then they fill in the details now different types of people do this at different levels with the average go get them kind of person who's just after the next thing in their life they're gonna be quicker they're gonna want the big picture and that's it if you can prove to them you can get the job done you could be in and out of their house in no time the big picture is I can do it for someone else The big picture of I can do it needs more facts. It needs more proof. Those are people like our accountants and our engineers. Three, we've got to keep it moving. The longer we dwell on one thing, the longer it seems to go on and on, the bigger chance we have of losing their attention. People get bored watch television shows now watch commercials look at movies they're constantly moving from one scene to another from one person to another it's all in the quest to maintain attention Four, the human brain cannot multitask Yes, I know, we all think we're multitaskers. We're even taught classes on how to be better multitaskers. But here's the thing. The human brain can only focus on one thing at a time. Sure, I can walk around the kitchen and talk to you on the phone while I'm stirring a cake mix. But nine times out of 10, if I have something really important, I'm probably gonna stop stirring. I'm gonna set that bowled down and really focus on what I'm doing, because the human brain does not multitask. The people who think they multitask are actually good at what is called compartmentalizing. They're good at switching from one task to the next, from one idea to the next, from one conversation to the next very, very quickly. I don't say all that to make you feel bad and to make you think that multitasking is, is a myth of some kind. It's just that the human brain is not comfortable focusing on more than one thing at a time. Fifth, visual rules. We learned that back when we learned that 83% of effective learning was sight. It was visual. It's why when you were in elementary school, we didn't just do tell, we did show and tell. We brought that bug on a stick, we brought that puppy with us, we brought whatever it was because the impact was in the show, not in the tell. So the lesson here about getting people's attention is simple. Tell me about it and anchor it with a visual. Then you have a chance that I'm going to understand. So you say, okay, I'm buying in, I get the learning theory thing, I understand the whole visual thing, but how do I put that into practice? How do I put that actually into the design or, or the development of my presentation? Well, here's the beauty, whether it's paper or plastic, whether it's your old flip board of, of page after page after page in a portfolio or, or book of some kind, or whether it's electronic, the rules are the same. My page should look the same as my slide because the recipient is the same. Now, if ever I'm thinking about taking my presentation mobile and doing it on a tablet computer, or, or heaven forbid, even on a smartphone, I have to understand that the visual rules become personified because the smaller the surface, the more I need the visual and the harder it would be to read a whole bunch of words. So let's take a minute and talk about your mobile presentation. If you're using an iPad, if you're using some kind of an Android or Windows based tablet, or even if you're using your laptop, what you want is your systems to complement each other. So if you have a PC, the best venue in which to create and display your presentation is probably going to be PowerPoint. In fact, there is no PowerPoint for the iPad. One of the whole reasons we had those Apple versus PC commercials was because they don't get along all that well. So your PowerPoint isn't going to work as seamlessly on an iPad, PC, Apple by the same token if you have an iPad you may want to learn to use Keynote Keynote is the PowerPoint of Apple although Keynote aficionados would take great offense to me characterizing them as the PowerPoint of Apple let's make this easy in order to create a simple presentation that is going to be powerfully visual in either program PowerPoint or Keynote, we really only need to be able to do two things. We need to be able to type in a text box and bring in a picture. That's it. It's pretty much as simple as that. If you can do those two things, you can create a powerful visual presentation. Now, some of you are used to PowerPoint and you have an iPad and you're probably wondering, well, what do I do? Well, here's a couple of options. First, there is an application for your iPad called Quick Office Pro, and Quick Office Pro allows you to actually bring in a PowerPoint presentation, and it's kind of a third-party system for letting that PowerPoint presentation speak to your iPad. It looks like PowerPoint, you can create on the iPad, and it plays like PowerPoint, so pretty much for all practical purposes, it is PowerPoint. Now, you can take your PowerPoint presentation and also bring it into an application called SlideShark, or you can save it as a PDF and use it in an application called Documents to Go. Either way, if you're accustomed to PowerPoint and you have that iPad, you can make it work. It is possible. A third possibility for your tablet and for your mobility is a program called Haiku Deck. Haiku Deck is a free application and it does a great job of keeping your presentation simple but also it has a bank of powerful visuals that if, for example, I, one of my slides was going to say that I put a sign in your yard, I could go over and after typing sign in yard, I could go over and click on the picture icon in Haiku Deck, and it'll bring up a ton of royalty-free pictures that might visually represent that sign in the yard. Plus, you can also import your own there are two major things that all three of those applications have in common. The idea that your slide will contain a text box and a picture, a place for your visual, and each of them are what we call linear. There's slide number one and slide number two and slide number three and slide number four, they're linear, they go on in a progression. If indeed, you're not feeling very linear or you'd like the capability of going wherever it is you want to go in a totally different kind of presentation format you might want to take a look at Prezi that's P-R-E-Z-I Prezi.com it's a great way to put a little spice in your presentation and maybe do it in a little different way and be able to customize it so that it actually looks pretty cool, and you may actually dazzle some techie with whom you're sitting at the kitchen table. Be aware, Prezi's a little complicated, and it's going to take some time to get used to it, especially if you've been doing the linear presentations for your entire PowerPoint keynote or haiku deck career. So it's going to take some time. We won't even begin to go into the concept of Pretzi here. Just know that it's out there. Caution. Understand that as soon as you add things like videos or charts and graphs to your presentation, it will become more complicated. But all of these venues will allow you to do a little bit of that in some extent. Just when it comes to charts and graphs, keep them simple. When it comes to video, keep it relevant a lot of times you can toss in a video on something that expands upon what you're talking about with a third-party expertise here's an example of that i may not be the staging expert but i may have a minute and a half video clip from a staging expert that talks about some of the things that might be effective in a potential seller's home so i have no problem using a third-party video in the middle of my presentation if it helps me make a relevant point. So remember, this is a learning experience. We're trying to get people's attention, people whose brains can only focus in one place at a time. So make your presentation visual with a very few number of words to anchor that visual. Don't confuse their brains. So where do you begin this intimidating task? Well, if you could see me right now, I am deep in the catacombs of my home office, doors tightly closed, trying to block out the noise of the world. On the back side of the door, visible only to me, is a whole bunch of sticky notes. I use sticky notes when I create anything. Every sticky note has an idea or it has a point, or maybe it has a particular slide that's going to go in to a presentation. So what I'm going to suggest to you is where do you begin? Go old school, grab some sticky notes, grab some index cards, and let's get to work on what ought to be in your presentation. In the workbook that comes with this recording, there's a chart that on the top says feature about Benefit. Fab. And that is the formula for a fabulous presentation. Feature about benefit. So where do we begin? Well, we begin with the feature. And what I want you to be able to do is I want you to be able to write down everything you have to offer for a seller. Then sit down and write everything you have to offer for a buyer. If you're doing a buyer's presentation, you ought to know what you have to offer them. If you're doing a seller or listing presentation, you ought to know what you have to offer them. And in order to do that effectively, we have to have a handle on what we know and what we do. So I would take a sticky note or an index card, and for everything I had for a seller, I'd just put it on a sticky note or put it on a card. You may end up with hundreds. In fact, go until you can't go anymore and then go pull some other resources. I don't like to cheat when I'm creating. I don't try to do it in PowerPoint. I don't try to pull out past presentations. I try to do it free and kind of do it the way a child plays, just from scratch, no rules, whatever comes into my mind. It's okay with me. So let's stick with the seller side. I'm going to begin writing down everything that I, that I have for a seller uh, things from my marketing plan to my communication plan to my transaction management systems to my pricing everything that I might have each one gets a separate sticky note well now I've got a wall full of sticky notes huh well one of the great things that sticky notes allow you to do is categorize things you just move them around you can stick the ones together that fall into a group maybe internet marketing you can take some other ones that have to do with staging and put them in a group you can categorize things all you want with sticky notes and move them around any place they need to go Once you've exhausted your mind, once you're no longer capable of thinking of anything else that you could possibly have for a seller, then you can get help. Then either pull out your old presentation. If your company has a presentation, pull that out find the things that maybe you forgot. But if you're looking at your old presentation or if you're looking at your company presentation, make sure that you do the things it says that you do before you would bring them into your presentation. For example, if my company presentation has a page on open houses and I don't do open houses, I probably wouldn't want to bring that one into the mix. If you're really stuck at this point, Go to google.com and type in the words, critical role of the realtor. And what you'll find is that a few years ago, the Orlando Association of Realtors, to aid in the presentations of their agents, put together a list which is now over 200 things that a listing agent does for a seller in a transaction. So if you can't think of things on your own, there are resources out there. But the main thing is you want to own your list. It should be relevant to you. It should be personal to you. And you've got to know it. You've got to know your list inside out, upside down, backwards, forwards, every way possible. You have to know what you have to offer a seller to get them to want to list their home with you. And obviously the same exercise would be perfect for a buyer and a buyer presentation. Now there are two other columns on that form, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's save those for a little bit later. The next bit of exercise I'd like you to do is take your current presentation and I wanna analyze it with you. We wanna take a look at it. In fact, we're gonna go through three steps. And the first one is called just that analyze. Look at your presentation and ask yourself some questions. First, how many slides, how many pages? What do you have? How big is it? And by the way, less is not always more. Now, it may be in the actual presentation, which we'll talk about later, but as far as how many slides or how many pages you have, I don't care. If you have 200 things you do for a seller, then have 200 slides. We'll find a way to pick out the ones that are most effective later on. But at the base, your presentation has to reflect everything you have to offer. Next, is it still relevant? Are the things that are in your presentation still relevant? Do you still do the things it says that you do? is it presentable or is it readable which kind of presentation is it if it's full of words you're gonna have to find a way to cut some of those down in fact here's what you're gonna notice you're gonna notice that some of your slides actually have two or three points on one slide because there are so many words so you may end up taking a slide or a page and turning it into three maybe even four pages and Look at the graphics, look at the pictures. How good are they? How relevant are they? How attention grabbing are they? You want good solid graphics that anchor the point that you're trying to make. Then we want to customize our slides for today. We want to be sure they're relevant. So we want to look at our past presentation and ask ourselves two questions. Do I still do the things it says I do And what else do I do? If you haven't updated your presentation in a while, you may do some things now that you didn't do back when it was first originated. So take a good hard look and customize it make sure it's relevant to exactly who you are and what you do today. Third, visualize your slides. Now, I'm from Boulder, Colorado, and when I hear that, I think of all kinds of things, and maybe you do too. But I don't want you to sit in the middle of a room in yoga position and try to bring up a picture of your slides. I don't want you to visualize them that way, although it couldn't hurt. What I want you to do is make them visual. Look at the slides that maybe have too many words. And a good rule of thumb is five words are enough. Less would be better, six or seven you might be dipping into too many so let's make our slides visual here's five things you need to know that go into making a good slide first your slide needs to be simple to understand second your slide should make a point and the visual should help anchor that point. point third your slide should capture attention I like powerful graphics and great visuals because they actually bring people into the presentation Your graphics and your presentation pages should invite interaction. They should make me wanna talk to you. And most importantly, the fifth thing, is they should cue you. They should make you know what you're going to talk about next as soon as you see the slide. That slide is your main cue as to the topic that you're about to discuss. So if you take yourself through that three-step process with your current presentation, and you do all the other things that we've talked about prior to this moment, you'll find yourself with the spinal column of a great visual presentation. Now all we have to do is know how to use it. I hope you're sitting down because I'm about to say something groundbreaking. Different people are different. Oh yeah, it's true, different people are different. And because people are different, we would present to and with them differently. My fast-talking, cut-to-the-chase kind of guy is gonna get a totally different kind of presentation customized for him than my soft-spoken, laid-back, supporter kind of person. Different strokes for different folks now it doesn't matter to me how you go about evaluating your people some of you might be into neuro linguistic programming and your people are either auditory visual or kinesthetic some of you might be into the disc profile a few of you might know about behavior styles it really doesn't matter to me how you evaluate your people but understand that the better understanding you have about who they are and how they best receive information and how they best process information, the more effective you're going to be. So have a system in place, have a way of getting to know your people and getting to know how you're going to go about presenting to them. So I show up, there I am, I'm at my appointment and let's say it's a listing appointment. First thing I do is I knock on the door. We come on inside and make a little chit-chat. I'm trying to either get reacquainted with people that I already know, maybe catch up on what's going on in their lives. And if I don't know them, I'm trying to make them comfortable and get to know a little bit about who they are. Now, one of the great ways to do that is to just talk about what are called Ford issues. F for family, O for occupation, R for recreation D for dreams and you probably won't talk about dreams a ton but it's easy to say so how's the family how's the kids you know how's Uncle Zeb whoever you might have in common with them Uh, how's work been oh I see you got a promotion whatever whatever and you know what have you been doing for fun lately now with your people that you really know well some of your repeat business kind of people some of your good friends you're able to talk about a little of their dreams you're able to say things like you know so where do you think this is gonna put you five years down the line 10 years down the line what we want to do is get them loose get them talking about themselves because that's going to be the theme of the early part of the evening is they're gonna talk to me I want to listen once I feel like we've broken the ice and everyone is comfortable we're gonna get into the actual interview into the counseling now what I'm about to share goes with buyers or sellers either kinda presentation this would work rather well this is the essence of counseling your people are in a current situation wherever it is they live whatever it is they do They're bringing to you the desire to go to another situation, what we'll call the desired situation. Your job in counseling in the essence of counseling itself is what is the gap between where they are now and where they wanna be? And so I'm gonna ask questions to try to pull out both of those things because here's what we know about people. People are motivated by one of two major things. They're either moving towards the reward that's in store for them if they do whatever it is they want to do, the desired situation, or they're moving away from the consequences of staying in their current situation. Let me give you an example. On two successive nights, two successive listing appointments, I had people who told me that they wanted to get out of their neighborhood. Their neighborhood was less desirable. That was the reason for selling their house. Well, that may be a reason, but it's not a motivation. Motivation is what's behind the reason. You can tell me the neighborhood is less desirable. I need to know what that means. So there needs to be some other questions asked. And in counseling, prior to your presentation, the three best questions you're ever going to ask are, what do you mean? Why is that? Is there anything else? So when someone tells me, well, the neighborhood's just not what it used to be, I'm gonna say, what do you mean, not what it used to be? You know, why is the neighborhood not what it used to be? Back to my two sellers. One night, I have a guy who just got a promotion just a big time thing at IBM or somewhere like that. He became the vice president in charge of, I guess, everybody in the world, it seemed like, according to him. So when I said, well, what do you mean the neighborhood is less desirable? His answer was, I don't know if you noticed this, but you didn't even have to go through a gate to get to my house. There's no security, there's no anything, anyone, can drive into this neighborhood. And with my promotion, I'm going to be entertaining. In fact, I may even have the president here. Now, I'm pretty sure he meant the president of his company, not the president of the United States. While his reason was that the neighborhood was less desirable, his motivation was pride, prestige, and ego. The very next night, I had a man tell me he had to move because the neighborhood was less desirable. And I said, well, what do you mean less desirable? And he said, two kids were shot down at the corner school bus stop last week and my kids are afraid to go to school. Now, same reason, neighborhood less desirable, very different motivation. He's coming from a place of fear and he's also coming from a place of love. He wants to protect his kids. So we have to get past people's reasons and get to their motivation before we can actually help them. The key here is what the great musician from the jazz era Fats Waller wrote in one of his many musicals. Find out what they like and how they like it and give it to them just that way. And so if I'm going to give the perfect, relevant presentation that meets all of their needs, I have got to know what their needs are. I have to find out what they like and how they like it so that I can give it to them just that way. That's the essence of counseling. Counseling will tell me what I need to do to make my presentation effective. How do I know it's time to move on and actually start my presentation? Well, I think there are easy ways to identify whether it's time. First, if they've admitted to you their dominant needs and wants, they've admitted that they want a solution to their problem, and if you're still there, they haven't kicked you out yet, and you still want to be there, then it's time to move on to your presentation. And again, the presentation is simply, I'm gonna match up my stuff with their wants and needs as best as I can. Basically, presentations come in two kinds. There's the standard Realtor Talks, Seller Listens presentation, and then there's what I like to call the One Buttock presentation now if indeed at the end of this recording I'm not able to bring you over to being the person who does the knowledgeable focused customized presentation where every single one can be different and you just not buy in, an and you're gonna stick with the standard presentation let's make that even better so let's talk about how to put together the standard presentation A lot of people who do the standard presentation do it in tier levels. They'll talk about what the average realtor does. Then they'll go into what they have to offer because of the company that they work for. And then they discuss the benefits of them individually. So let's take a look at what the average realtor does for a seller. I have stretched my mind to its length and beyond trying to figure out exactly what it is that the average realtor does. So I tend to just make a joke now. I talk about the three P's of real estate that they put a sign in the yard, put it in the MLS and pray that it sells. But then I do something that I didn't used to do before and that is I'll just ask them. So what do you think the average realtor does? What I get in response is their expectations of what they think a realtor should do, and that is a valuable piece of information as I begin to unfold the rest of my presentation. Next, talk about the exclusive benefits of working with you because of your company. Now, if you're in a big company, you may have a whole bunch of things. If you're a little company, you may have a whole bunch of things. Wherever you work, I'm assuming there's a good reason you work there and it's because you get some tools that will help you when you take a listing, they'll help you when you market that listing, when you service that listing, you have some tools. So talk about your company's exclusive services. Then talk about what I call Customize services. These are the benefits of working with you because you're you. So, special marketing. Any kind of marketing that you do for the home that maybe you do and no one else does, that's special marketing and it's gonna differentiate you. Maybe you're a good niche marketer. Maybe you can take that horse property and get it in front of the horsey people. Maybe you can take that golf course community property and get it in front of the golfers maybe you're just good at your network and so you can take a listing no matter what kind or what niche it might be and you can get it to the best realtors who are out there in the marketplace either way any special marketing that you do is going to differentiate you from the rest of the real estate masses your market expertise is a huge differentiator If you're a little confused about what goes into market expertise, you might wanna listen to the pricing CD, but if you can be the market expert, that is such a valuable thing to offer any seller, even a buyer for that matter. Market expertise is what I'm looking for. I go into Best Buy and I'm looking for a computer. I don't know about you but I want to talk to the computer expert I want to talk to that guy or gal who knows everything there is to know about computers I don't want to talk to someone who alphabetizes DVDs for a living and if I'm going to buy or sell a house I want someone who knows more about the market than anyone else in the market your ability to utilize technology will differentiate you from the rest of the Realtors technology should do two things It should make us more effective and it should make us more efficient and both of those things are very valuable to our buyers and our sellers transaction management how you manage my transaction is important now I used to use a little fear factor here I would say now you know, when we get your house under contract, there are deadlines in a contract. And if we don't happen to meet one of those deadlines, what do you think would happen? And the response is gonna be, well, you know, I don't know, or, or we could lose our deal, or we'd be out of contract or whatever. And that's when I'd say, Great, you know what, let me show you how I manage your transaction. Now you could think this is a very minor point and that you're gonna manage the transaction however you're going to manage it, but here was the upside for me. I talk about transaction management because you don't. And anything I do to differentiate myself is gonna help in the end. You may be a staging expert or you may know someone who is. Staging and getting a home ready to sell is a powerful tool in differentiating yourself. The way someone lives in a home is different than the way they sell it, and if you have insight into that, you become a great asset to any person. Your negotiating skills your negotiating skills are going to be needed over and over again during the transaction and even the events leading up to that transaction so that if you can separate yourself from the other realtors by showing that you're an effective negotiator you'll go a long ways towards getting the listing or signing the buyer last but not least your personality what separates you from everyone else I know that it's difficult to differentiate yourself by talking about what a hard worker you are I've yet to ever be in a class where I asked the class who works hard and everyone didn't raise their hand but your personality will come out people will get to see who you are they'll see your genuineness they'll see your customer service orientation and hopefully they'll like you and I want to work with someone that I like and so do they So that's your standard three-tiered, out of the box, I talk, you kind of listen presentation. And again, for some of you, this is the perfect way to go about doing it. And by the way, for some of your clients, it's the perfect thing that they need. They need someone to just walk them through the steps and to take control and to show them the difference between what it's gonna be like to work with them and what it's gonna be like to work with someone else. If you're willing to go down a little different road, let's talk about your new presentation so what we have to do in order to talk about your new presentation is we have to get out our fab chart because if we know what to do with our fab chart we have a handle on creating a fabulous presentation first features all those things that you put on sticky notes or index cards are on this list all of the things that you offer to a seller they go on this list. They're all features and that's the F of fab. A feature reflects, what do you have for me? What do you bring into the table? What are the elements of your marketing plan? And in the olden days, salespeople thought it was good enough to just have more stuff than someone else. And in some cases, that's still true. There are people who are still overly impressed by the number of things that you put on the table. Most want quality over quantity so that your features just aren't going to be enough. You have to take that F, you have to take that feature and add an A. You have to tell me what it's about. What does it do? How does it work? You have to be able to explain to me. If you're gonna put a sign in my yard, tell me what that sign does. Tell me how it works. If you're going to put me in featured listings or something on realtor.com or something like that, tell me what that does. Tell me how it works. Keep it short, keep it sweet. Remember what Einstein said. If you can't explain it simply, you probably don't understand it well enough. Finally, you give me the B. You give me the benefit. You give me the answer to the question, so what? So what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? You're going to put a sign in my yard and this is how it works. Great. What's in it for me? I want to know the benefit. Everyone wants to know what's in it in it for me well you explain that with six magic words what this means to you is and then tell them what it means to them tell them what the benefit is of whatever it is you have for them the feature I'm gonna put a sign in your yard the about here's what it does here's how it works and the benefit here's what you're going to get here's what's in it for you so here's an example let's look at that sign in the yard under feature it will say sign under about what it does how it works. Well the sign is a visual representation that your house is for sale. It contains contact information of both me and my company, has my phone number, it may have my email address or my website, it may have my high school graduation picture. Sign writers make the sign completely customizable. And one of the most important things that the sign does is it transmits information. In fact, it is the third most utilized source of information for buyers in the marketplace, slightly behind the real estate agent and the internet. What this means to you is you get the benefit of targeted buyer exposure. To people who are already in your neighborhood some of the best buyers out there now what we've just done by walking through the fab system is we've taught ourselves a great delivery system for our information they have a want they have a need we've got a thing I want my home exposed to buyers well I have a sign so the sign is the feature explain to them that I have a sign. I tell them all the things we just mentioned about what it does and how it works. And then I explain to them the benefit, what's in it for them. I wanna make sure they understand, so I'll say, well, do you have any questions? And then I want agreement. Can you see how that might benefit you in the sale of your home? That's a system. Restate the need, mention the feature, tell about here's what it does, here's how it works, here's what's in it for you the benefit make sure they understand or they have any questions and then get them to agree that it's a good thing and by the way everyone you go through every one of your features that you mention everything you have that's going to meet a particular want or particular need make sure you ask them if they understand or if there are any questions I would rather deal with any resistance any questions any problems with anything that I'm doing while we're in that part of the presentation I don't want to save all the problems for the end that never does anyone any good and it's going to throw off your flow so always say you need this I have this here's what it does here's what's in it for you do you understand it is it gonna work that's an easy dialogue trail obviously not quite that easy but you get the idea so if I'm you here's what I'm wondering I'm gonna do that with 84 pages in my book I'm gonna do that with 56 pages no you're not you are going to create on the spot what I like to call the instant presentation. The instant presentation comes in two parts, talking points and features that match wants and needs. So first, talking points. So you have an 84-page presentation. You must have some favorite pages you must have some favorite marketing things that you do, you must have some things that make your service stand out from everyone else or your communication ability, you must have some favorite things. And I maintain that if you can identify somewhere between four to maybe even eight talking points, points that you are going to bring up no matter who the seller might be. This is your best stuff. This is the stuff that you're going to talk about, whether they actually say they want it or need it or not, because you know it's good stuff. These are your talking points. You should have four to eight of them. You should also, as the evening goes on and as counseling takes place, you should be able to identify four to six things that you have that are going to directly meet their wants or their needs. If they're really into the internet thing and internet marketing, you ought to be writing down some of the things that you have that are going to meet that needs. Now what the seller that I meet with on Monday night, wants and needs may be totally different than what the one i meet with on wednesday night wants or needs and so that becomes the flexible the customizable part of my presentation what i'm trying to reach here my goal so to speak is to be able to deliver 8 to 12 maybe as many as 16 slides that are knowledgeable Focused and customized for them and that presentation when I take that to the next level when I deliver it in a way that is going to reach them I stand on the verge of what I like to call the one buttock presentation now I didn't make that up the one buttock presentation I coined the phrase from a book called The Art of Possibility, written by Rosamund Zander and her husband, Benjamin Zander. Benjamin Zander was the conductor of the Boston Symphony Orchestra, and in a section of that book, he talked about what he called one-buttock playing. And I quote, A young pianist was playing a Chopin prelude in my class, and although we had worked right up to the edge of realizing an overarching concept of the piece, his performance remained earthbound. He understood it intellectually, he could have explained it to someone else, but he was unable to convey the emotional energy that is the true language of the music. Then I noticed something that had proved to be the key. His body was firmly centered in the upright position. I blurted out, The trouble with you is you're a two-buttock player. I encouraged him to allow his whole body to flow sideways, urging him to catch the wave of the music with the shape of his own body. And suddenly, The music took flight. Several in the audience gasped, feeling the emotional dart hit home as a new distinction was born, the one buttock player. He then adds, the president of a corporation in Ohio who was present as a witness later wrote to me, I was so moved that I went home and transformed my entire company into a one buttock company. Think of one buttock presenting as a pyramid And at the base of that pyramid is your self-esteem. It's how you feel about yourself. Here's what we know about ourselves most of the time. It's difficult to do something great when you don't think you can do it. When you think you're terrible, when you think you're lousy, it's doubtful that you're going to be able to rise to the occasion and give the one-buttock presentation. So we wanna feel good about ourselves. The next level here in this pyramid is knowledge and preparation now these two things are going to feed off each other because the more knowledgeable I am about my business about the market about what I have to offer a seller that's going to help them meet their needs and achieve their goals the better I'm going to feel about me the better prepared I am the better I'm able to listen and glean from that person what it is I'm going to be able to do to help them Better I'm going to feel about me and the better I feel about me the better I want to do and the more I want to know and it's a cycle that will just feed off itself and work like a snowball rolling downhill it's just going to get bigger and bigger with the foundation of my pyramid being based in my knowledge and preparation and feeling good about myself I'm able to focus on the moment if i know my stuff inside and out i don't have to worry about what i'm going to say next i can listen the way listening was truly meant to be and that is listening with the intent to understand not listening to try to figure out whatever it is i'm going to say next so my knowledge and my preparation and me feeling good about that lays the foundation for me being in the moment with my people when i'm in the moment I can focus on them, and when I can focus, I can just let go. I zoom right in on them, I'm totally attentive to them, I'm right there, right at that moment, loving every single minute of it, and if you don't watch out when that happens, your passion comes out people start to understand how much you love this business how much you love what you do and how much you love serving other people and when that happens you almost automatically drop into a place where your presentation starts to get flow it starts to become automatic once that happens you are the one buttock presenter and I can't imagine anyone not wanting to hire the one buttock presenter what we're trying to accomplish is creating and developing a knowledgeable focused customized visual presentation that best represents what we have for a potential seller or even a buyer and then being able to deliver that presentation in a way that not only works for them but also sets us apart from the two buttock masses so now you have some ideas that will help you take your presentation to the next level, make it more relevant, be able to customize it, and make it a primo presentation. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, feel free to email me at richteaches, T-E-A-C-H-E-S, at gmail.com. Thanks.